Chapter Seven of A Daughter of Today by Sarah Jeanette Duncan. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Bruce Peary. There was a scraping and a stumbling sound in the second floor front bedroom of Mrs. Jordan's lodgings in a byway of Fleet Street at two o'clock in the morning. It came up to Elfrida, mixed with the rattle of a departing cab over the paving-stones below, outside, where the fog was lifting and showing one street-lamp to another. Elfrida, in her attic, had been sitting above the fog all night. Her single candle had not been obscured by it. The cab had been paid, and the andirons were being disturbed by Mr. Golightly Tick returned from the criterion restaurant where he had been supping with the leading lady of the sparkle company at the leading lady's expense she could afford it better than he could she told him and that was extremely true for mr tick had his capacities for light comedy still largely to prove while mademoiselle phyllis fane had almost disestablished herself upon the stage so long and so prosperously she had pirouetted there mr golightly tick's case excited a degree of the large compassion which mademoiselle phyllis had for incipient genius of the interesting sex and which served her instead of virtue of the more ordinary sort he had a double claim upon it because in addition to being tall and fair and misunderstood by most people with a thin nose that went beautifully with a medieval costume he was such a gentleman phyllis loosened her purse-strings instinctively with genuine gratification whenever this young man approached she believed in him he had ideas she said and she gave him more in the end he would be sure to catch on through the invariable period of obscurity which comes before the appearance of any star she was in the habit of stating that he would have no truer friend than philly fane she spoke to the manager she pointed out mr tick's little parts to the more intimate of her friends of the press she sent him delicate little presents of expensive cigars scents and soaps she told him often that he would infallibly get there the fact of his having paid his own cab fare from the criterion on this particular morning gave him as he found his way upstairs almost an injured feeling of independence as the sounds defined themselves more distinctly troublous and uncertain elfrida laid down her pen and listened what an absurd boy it is she said he's trying to go to bed in the fireplace as a matter of fact mr tick's stage of intoxication was not nearly so advanced as that but elfrida's mood was borrowed from her article and she felt the necessity of putting it graphically besides a picturesque form of stating his condition was almost due to mr tick mr tick lived the unfettered life he was of the elect elfrida reflected as mr tick went impulsively to rest how easy it was to discover the elect a glance would do it a word the turning of an eyelid she knew it of golightly tick days before he came up in an old velvet coat and without a shirt-collar to borrow a sheet of note-paper and an envelope from her on that occasion mr tick had half apologized for his appearance saying i'm afraid i'm rather a bohemian in his sympathetic voice 
to which elfrida had responded handing him the note-paper afraid and the understanding was established at once elfrida did not consider mr tick's other qualifications or disqualifications that would have been a bourgeois thing to do he was a bel homme that was sufficient he might find life difficult it was natural and probable she elfrida bell found it difficult she had not succeeded yet neither had he therefore they had a comradeship they and a few others of revolt against the dull conventional british public that barred the way to success yesterday she had met him at the street door and he had stopped to remark that along the embankment nature was making a bad copy of one of vereshagin's pictures when people could say things like that nothing else mattered much it is impossible to tell whether miss bell would have found room in this philosophy for the godmotherly benevolence of mademoiselle fane if she had known of it or not it was a low-roofed room in which elfrida bell meditated biting the end of her pen upon the difference it made when a fellow-being was not a philistine and it was not in the least like any other apartment mrs jordan had to let it was the atelier of the rue porte royale transplanted elfrida had brought all her possessions with her and took a nameless comfort in arranging them as she liked them best try to feel at home she said whimsically to her indian zither as she hung it up we shall miss paris you and i but one day we shall go back together a japanese screen wandered across the room and made a bedroom of the end elfrida had to buy that and spent a day in finding a cheap one which did not offend her the floor was bare except for a little afghan prayer carpet mrs jordan having removed in suspicious astonishment an almost new tapestry of as nice a pattern as she ever set eyes upon at her lodger's request a samovar stood on a little square table in the corner and beside it a tin box of biscuits the dormer windows were hung with eastern stuffs a roman lamp stood on the mantel a koran holder held omar khayyam second-hand and meredith's last novel and anna karenina and salambo and two or three weeks numbers of the figaro here and there on the wall a salon photograph was fastened a study of a girl's head that nadie had given her was stuck with a spanish dagger over the fireplace a sketch of vambery's and one of kendall's sacredly framed hung where she could always see them there was a vague suggestion of roses about the room and a mingled fragrance of joss sticks and cigarettes the candle shone principally upon a little bronze buddha who sat lotus shrined on the writing-table among elfrida's papers with an ineffable inscrutable smile on the top shelf of a closet in the wall a small pile of canvases gathered dust face downwards not a brush-mark of her own was visible she told herself that she had done with that the girl sat with her long cloak about her and a blanket over her knees 
her fingers were almost nerveless with cold as she laid down her manuscript she tried to wring warmth into them her face was white her eyes were intensely wide open and wide awake they had black dashes underneath an emphasis they did not need she lay back in her chair and gave the manuscript a little push toward buddha smiling in the middle of the table well she said regarding him with defiant inquiry cleverly marked buddha smiled on the candle sputtered and his shadow danced on three or four long thick envelopes lying behind him elfrida's eyes followed it oh said she you refer me to those do you ce n'est pas poli buddha dear but you are always honest aren't you she picked up the envelopes and held them fanwise before her tell me buddha why have they all been sent back i myself read them with interest i who wrote them and surely that proves something she pulled a page or two out of one of them covered with her clear conscious clever handwriting a handwriting with a dainty pose in it suggestive of inscrutable things behind the word elfrida looked at it affectionately her eyes caressed the lines as she read them i find here true things and clever things she went on yes and original quite original things that about balzac has never been said before i assure you buddha it has never been said before yet the editor of the athenian returns it to me in two days with a printed form of thanks exactly the same printed form of thanks with which he would return a poem by arabella jones is the editor of the athenian adult buddha the decade typewrites his regrets that's better but the bystander says nothing at all but declined with thanks inside the flap of the envelope the girl stared absently into the candle she was not in reality greatly discouraged by these refusals she knew that they were to be expected indeed they formed part of the picturesqueness of the situation in which she saw herself alone in london making her fight for life as she found it worth living by herself for herself in herself it had gone on for six weeks she thought she knew all its bitterness and she saw nowhere the faintest gleam of coming success yet the idea of giving it up did not even occur to her at this moment she was reflecting that after all it was something that her articles had been returned the editors had evidently thought them worth that much trouble she would send them all off again in the morning trying the athenian article with the decade and the rejected of the decade with the bystander they would see that she did not cringe before one failure gathering up the loose pages of one article to put them back her eyes ran mechanically again over the opening sentences of one of them suddenly something magnetized them a new interest flashed into them with a little nervous movement she brought the page closer to the candle and looked at it carefully as she looked she blushed crimson and dropping the paper covered her face with her hands 
oh buddha she cried softly struggling with her mortification no wonder they rejected it there's a mistake in the very second line a mistake in spelling she felt her face grow hotter as she said it and instinctively she lowered her voice her vanity was pricked as with a sword and for a moment she suffered keenly her fabric of hope underwent a horrible collapse the blow was at its very foundation while the minute hand of her mother's old-fashioned gold watch travelled to its next point or for nearly as long as that elfrida was under the impression that a person who spelled artificially with one l could never succeed in literature she believed she had counted the possibilities of failure she had thought of style she had thought of sense she had never thought of spelling she began with a penknife to make the word right and almost fearfully let herself read the first few lines there are no more she said to herself with a sigh of relief turning the page she read on and the irritation began to fade out of her face she turned another page and another and her eyes grew interested absorbed enthusiastic there were some more one or two but she did not see them her house of hope built itself again a mere slip she said reassured and then as her eyes fell on a little fat dictionary that held down a pile of papers but i'll go over them all in the morning to make sure with that then she turned with new pleasure to the finished work of the night settled the sheets together put them in an envelope and addressed it the editor the consul six tibby's lane fleet street e c she hesitated before she wrote should she write the editor only or george alfred curtis esq first which would attract his attention perhaps as coming from somebody who knew his name she had a right to know his name she told herself she had met him once in the happy paris days kendall had introduced him to her in brief encounters at the salon and she remembered with amusement the appreciativeness of the glance that accompanied the stout middle-aged english gentleman's bow kendall had told her then that mr curtis was the editor of the consul yes she had a right to know his name and it might make the faintest shadow of a difference but no the editor was more dignified more impersonal her article should go in upon its own merits absolutely upon its own merits and so she wrote it was nearly three o'clock and cold shivering cold mr golightly tick had wholly subsided the fog had climbed up to her and the candle showed it clinging to the corners of the room the water in the samovar was hissing elfrida warmed her hands upon the cylinder and made herself some tea with it she disposed of a great many sweet biscuits from the biscuit-box and thereafter lighted a cigarette as she smoked she re-read an old letter a long letter in a flowing foreign hand written from among the haymakers at barbizon that exhaled a delicate perfume 
elfrida had read it thrice for comfort in the afternoon now she tasted it sipping here and there with long enjoyment of its deliciousness she kissed it as she folded it up with the silent thought that this was the bread of her life and soon oh passably soon she could bear the genius in nadie's eyes again then she went to bed you little brute she said to buddha who still smiled as she blew out the candle can't you forget it End of chapter 7